Now and Again is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage, Keanu, and more, head on over to cageclub.me. That is cageclub.me. And we are back. It is side B of Nico's Wild Ride, his list of now volume 20, sorted and filed, oh so Nico Lee. Uh, Nico, hi. How are you today? Hey, I'm I'm hanging in, you guys. I'm I'm trying to like I'm trying to deal with all of the changes that that have happened to the now universe. Now, one of the things that I talked about way too much last episode for what I meant to cover was, as always, I get so busy laughing at funny things Chris says that I, you know, I basically piss the floor, like you know, like an incontinent dog, just so happy to see his owner. It's really exciting. My owner was, it was one of those cute like puppy um, war reuniting videos. Uh, and I don't have a bit here, but the puppy's name was going to be Preston Pup Pup. And it was going to be um, Preston, who died, oh, reincarnated as a Preston. puppy. But it's yeah. fine. R.I.P. Preston, you yeah. got baby bashed. So, um, God, I hate when I go off script. So, one of the things about the now that I said was that it's going to be a humongous transition. Yes. And it's funny, last time, for a now about transition, we covered the things that were... Um, new, and that's really cool, but every now does have new. Most nows don't say such a significant goodbye. We covered a number of people last now who are going to appear a number of more times. We talked about Black Eyed Peas, The Pussycat Dolls, Rihanna, Fallout Boy, Natasha Bedingfield, Kelly Clarkson, and, um... Lifehouse. We also discussed that while it was Franz Ferdinand's final appearance, it was unfucking believable. It was Baby Bashian that he had a second appearance at all. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about Life Jennings and Dem Franchise Boys getting additional appearances as well. Uh, everyone we discussed today will either be their final appearance or nearly their final appearance. And that's kind of a very different. That's a very different. Uh, side of a record. If you've ever really been into like concept albums, and goddamn. I do. I love a big concept. I love a big idea. Uh, when one disc means one thing and the other disc means another, you know, most of the time, most of the time the artist kind of half-asses it mm-hmm. when one disc is electric and one disc is acoustic uh, because yeah. they're in the same writing headspace, mm-hmm. right? But here it really is two different ideas. This is two separate uh, lists. That first list was people who have all the time in the world or got extended more time than you'd ever imagine. I can't fucking believe Dem Franchise Boys has two appearances. I can't fucking believe Dem Franchise Boys, Life Jennings, and Franz Ferdinand each have two appearances and somehow Since You've Been Gone isn't on a now. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's kind of what this today today's playlist is about. Today's now, side B, is, is a fond goodbye to a number of artists who have... Uh, a number of them who have been in the our now Hall of Fame, our our now top twenty, um, and I'm I'm ready to make that transition. And a couple of these artists who, frankly, like it's a premature goodbye. Like some of these artists are going to stick around in the real world, but in the now universe, they're just gone because of how you know label and contract things work out. But two of these artists are certainly not going anywhere in real life but they're just gone they're just gone from here just vanished like a fart in the wind and you know i think part of it is that you and i have a very different perspective than than maybe 
sometimes I meet people and I'm like, oh, sure. So like, you know, what do you like to watch? And they're like, you know, so if you ever on like a gay app and I don't, I don't go on gay apps, you know, very taken. And <laughs> so, so busy and so taken. <laughs> I'm so tired. Um, but uh, when I used to and guys would be like, hey, daddy. And I'd be like, Jesus fucking Christ. Hey, what's up, pup? And they'd be like, not much. What are you dying? And I'd be like, I'm just talking to you, man. What are you doing? Watching Netflix. And I'm like, sure, man. What are you watching on Netflix? Hulu. And I'm like, what the fuck? No! Those aren't shows! You can't be watching Hulu if you're watching Netflix. And they're like, I'm like, okay, alright, whatever, whatever. So then later on I'll be like, so, like, what do you like to listen to? And they'll be like, music. And I'm like, fuck, oh my god, I hate you. Alright, what's your favorite artist? And they'll be like, dance. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, like DNCE, and they're like, no, like the music, like dance music, like I really like, like, like pulsy, clubby. My favorite genre of music is lyrics. <laughs> By the way, I would like to be very clear that absolutely none of that was an attack on femme dudes. It was an attack on this idea that I am responsible for all of the conversation, <laughs> and that's that's even kind of what I'm getting to. Oh gosh, I kind of I, I I feel like those people just don't have the same level of I am willing to do what it takes to get my hands on every single piece of right. music associated with that that they they just don't have the same the same emotional relationship and there's absolutely nothing wrong with anybody's level of emotional relationship with any kind of medium or genre or fiction. I, f- I feel like, you know, we spend too much time in this culture telling other people how to love and that's just the fucking dumbest most republican thing I've ever heard. And um I think uh, you know, as we speak right now, our fearless leader is at the first of way too many Radiohead concerts, and he's willing to do what it takes to interact with his art that he loves on every level. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I literally in my 20s slept out on the ground in Brooklyn to meet Tori Amos. I I like these artists that are kind of obscure, so it's it's a lot more work to see them. Uh, it's less money, which is always great, but it's actually usually a longer travel. Uh, we wanted to see Carly Rae Jepsen, and because hipsters don't remember that you can get out of New York City any other way than the Jitney, they didn't realize that Terminal 5 sold out, so we just drove to Long Island to see Carly Rae Jepsen. And because I'm an idiot, I bought tickets to the upstate New York show, and then bought another ticket to the Long Island show, which was correct. Um, you're welcome, Carly. She uh, she wanted you to see her twice because you're so handsome. Well, I only saw her once because I wasn't driving to upstate New York. Um, wh- what's your <laughs> we opinions? say that like it's an island? <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, look, have you been past like fucking Westchester County? It sucks. I like. Tr- I went to Ithaca for my cousin Mary's wedding, um, and uh, our our awesome, super cool, incredible. Uh, teammate Tori, hey Tori, um, went to Ithaca and I met a lot of her wonderful friends who went to Ithaca and I, I, yay, it's gorgeous and stuff and it's really nice up there and you get to pass so many derelict farms on the way there. (laughs) We made milk here once. Uh, uh, I get like, I hear like banjos and red maga caps coming for me. Um, but I... Honestly, it is beautiful, 
It's just fucking far, okay? It's far, mm-hmm. and it's the far direction that gets colder. Why would I travel yeah. in the far direction that gets colder when if I go four hours south, I'm four hours closer to Disney? <laughs> so I think you guys don't have what I need to be forced to travel outside of the New York area. Nico, quick question. Um so I think, you know, by the time this comes out, uh, we've already dated it because, like you said, Fearless Leader is at multiple Radiohead shows. In about a week and change, um, a band that I really like, Camp Cope, uh, they're uh, this Australian trio um, of wonderful ladies, and they are playing with Petal and Asbury. It's like, how many times are you going to get to see this band from Australia playing in a local small venue? What are your opinions in general? Not, not should I or shouldn't I? I'm going to go to the show. But what are your opinions on going to shows alone? I very rarely do it. Okay. It it has to be somebody for whom the emotional relationship is that. I have probably seen Tori Amos by myself three times. Okay. Um, I was prepared to see Janet Jackson by myself. I mm-hmm. may want to be alone the first time I see Mariah Carey. I have this... Okay, so you obviously know that I, I'm, I'm a caricature of myself. A long time ago, I decided to stop being a person because that's less entertaining. And I do this bit where I'm like, you know, I got to meet Tori Amos and I was pretty held together and I said some really beautiful emotional stuff. And I really feel like the experience I had meeting Tori Amos was my relationship with Tori Amos. Um, emotional and intense and sudden and very familiar right away. Um, I feel like if I ever met Janet Jackson from my friends who, uh, I have this amazing friend and I I don't think he listens to the podcast, but Brad is just an awesome guy. And, uh, his, he actually was on, um, American Idol. Actually, he was, uh, he went to Vegas. He's so talented. He's so cool. cool. Um, and his former roommate, uh, is now one of Janet Jackson's dancers. And she says that like, evidently she is just as cool down to earth as you can even you can't even imagine how cool and down to earth she is and i guess at a certain point you go so far into rich it no longer matters and you can just be cool about everything uh you can just have like money confidence yes thing that we'll never um, know unless you review on itunes and give us to our fake patreon clicky click click and um I kind of feel like if I ever met Janet Jackson, I would just like want to sit with her and have coffee and talk about all the things I've always wanted to talk about with her and just like have like a chill afternoon and just like just know that things are cool because this really chill, put together, amazing person who has given more to charity than I can even comprehend is with me and everything's awesome. And that's how I would feel if I got to meet Janet. And what I have said about meeting Mariah Carey is I'm, I'm trying. It's so embarrassing. It's so emotional. I get talking about it. I don't really want to meet her because that would be just a little too much. I like, I kind of want to be like 20 feet behind her carrying her bags for her while she shops. And like, I want her to like say my name wrong and like call me Miko because I don't want to hear her say my name. Like, oh yeah, I also I love that dumb relationship with this really really weird relationship with Mariah Carey. Where I'm like not sure she's a person and I'm really okay with it. Like she's not a person anymore. She is like also a caricature because that's more entertaining. <laughs> but she's anyway. <laughs> um <laughs> Okay, so um I think it might be better if I go to my first carry show by myself. Clearly. It might be better if I'm sent with an epidural because <laughs> I'm concerned I'm going to bite someone. 
<laughs> like I'm concerned she's just gonna get up on the stage in that very hello darlings I'm here I'm Mariah kind of way that she's become <laughs> I'm just afraid I'm gonna be like <laughs> and just like start biting everyone <laughs> in the audience it's like when I see oh. videos of, of like the Beatles at Shea or on um <clears throat> what the fuck is that guy's name it's not Carson um uh, it's Ed Sullivan. Sullivan, yes. Where I'm just like, why? How? How can people be going this ape shit over you know someone they will never interact with? And then like I look behind me and Nico was on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> you look behind you and Nico's on the floor pissing himself at a cardboard cutout of Mariah Carey. He came around a corner a little too fast, and for half a second he didn't know what was happening, and he's still just spitting. No one's sure why. Yeah. Oh, so you would only go to there was a question initially. So you would you would only go to shows alone if it was an artist you had a deep attachment to. Not like so you would if like you couldn't get anyone else to go to a show, you'd rather not go than go alone. Well, here's the thing I'm going to say that's like I I my husband and I joke about this all the time, but my husband really is like my I mean like I have I have several best friends, but like my husband's my best friend. We we do so much together. There's nothing in my life that if I said to him, you know, Kevy, I really don't want to do this alone, honey. Would you please come with me? That even if it's like the most like, there's just one thing he doesn't like particularly enjoy if I play, and it's he just doesn't really like if I play Tool too much. He'll never complain about anything. But like if we're in the car, there's really no reason to play Tool two two Tool songs in a row. I'm sure you'd agree with him. I am a hundred percent on board. I've never been more on board with anything that Kev has ever said. But yes. <laughs> so um, he'll never ever tell me no. He'll never ever make it a thing like that. You know, it's just like why would you subject him to something that I know he doesn't enjoy? Um, <clears throat> so, but he would just go with earmuffs on, and you know, mm. I um, if he didn't want to go, uh, I have my I have another friend who that I have all pretty much a lot of the same taste in music. Uh, I can't say all the same taste in music because I think he thinks my deep love of dance music and R and B is obnoxious. But uh, I have another buddy who I would. I, it's just it the I. And, like, I don't want to sound um, – look, I, I, I run a small press out of my home. Like, I, I'm obviously not, like, the richest man in the world. But, like, I'm actually unbelievably loved. And, like, I have so many people in my life who are just – like, I, I'm, I'm a kind of lucky I can't even imagine at 32 years old where there are people in my life that are like, no, I will do this thing with you that, that I absolutely think is the stupidest, most horrible thing in the world just to get to spend time with you. I have so many people in my life that uh, that are just so eager to interact with me on a regular basis or at all that uh, I'm so, 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 so lucky. I can't imagine a situation. I literally – I fucking can't imagine any kind of situation where I would be incapable of finding someone to go to a concert with me. Mm. Like the idea of it makes me just like, if you know somebody like that, can you tell me so I can be their friend? I would still go to a concert alone. I've seen Ani DeFranco alone. I've seen Tori Amos alone. I've seen... I know I've seen a bunch of people. I've seen Howie Day alone. I've seen John Mayer alone. Yeah, a whole bunch of people. But, like, where I'm at in my life right now, I can't imagine seeing anything alone. Mm. Yeah. Um, I don't even like going to the movies alone. Yeah. I mean, I don't like going out in public if I can help it. Same. You know what I mean? Like, people are garbage. But, like, yeah, I don't like going to the movies alone because I feel like if you go to the movies alone, everybody just assumes you're there to jerk off. And, like... <laughs> well, I mean, depends on the movie. Hereditary, I was elbow oh deep in myself. Julia and Julia, four times. 
Uh, it's it's just it's it's weird to me that I can't like this this show is twelve bucks right, and it's just weird that I'm finding that people won't take a chance on like music that they don't necessarily know. I guess that's another you know sub question: Are you into shows where you don't know the artist? Like I have seen a good friend of mine, Kyle, and his lovely wife Kate had an extra ticket to go see Alt J in the city. I didn't really know them. It was like the day of. Um, I listened to some of the music in advance. The lead singer sounded like a Muppet. But I still went. I enjoyed the show. I don't listen to their music now or anything like that, but it was a good time. Um, friend of the program. Uh, Jarrett Brown had a ticket to fucking Bruce Springsteen at the Meadowlands years and years ago. I not even I knew even less Springsteen then. And I went to that show and Springsteen does indeed put on a hell of a fucking show and I had a good time. Doesn't mean I became a Springsteen fan overnight or anything like that. I won a ticket. I won in college. This is the one show I've ever gone to alone. I won tickets to go see the All-American Rejects at Starland Ballroom. Uh, and I saw them alone because fuck it, why not? Um, and it was, you know, I stood in the back and I was kind of bored and it was whatever. You know, I'm usually always willing to just kind of like have some fun. But I, maybe part of it is because it's on Thursday, but it's weird just like I can't really even find anyone, even people I know in school who are like off, who will just like say fuck it and spend the price of a Chipotle burrito to just like have three hours of entertainment. People are so scared of entertainment like that. Oh, maybe I won't like it that they just they won't. Put the, like the smallest effort towards it. It's weird to me, and maybe it's weird to me because I do a fucking podcast where we listen to trash pop, and every every episode of a Cage Club show I volunteered for until Cinemakers has been like the worst of that artist. But I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just weird like that. Maybe I'm discovering I'm weird, and this is my venting ground. I, I Nico's actually on a couch on, in a chair in a leather chair right now, and I'm on a couch. I am strapped to that chair. I think the most important thing to remember uh, from what you just said, I mean this, like, you know, I think it's really important you outlined a lot of, you outlined a lot of ways in which people interact with media and your feelings on it. And I think the most important thing to take away is we've reached a place in our culture where people can measure the quality of an experience in the cost of a Chipotle burrito. (laughs) And I think that is absolutely the most important con- contribution to society in a now and again since <laughs> latte gaze. Secondarily, I agree with you. The idea... Okay, so people hate to go to... I call it the Gossip Girl effect, and I don't mean that... It, it doesn't really have anything to do with Gossip Girl, and Gossip Girl was always just the stand-in, because Gossip Girl was on at the right time when I was teaching to make an illustration, an illustrated point about it. I should update it to Pretty Little Liars, and I should update it to whatever Riverdale now, but there is... And I did teach those kids, so I do know that mm. there are kids who can afford to live the lifestyle of a Gossip Girl or, or a Pretty Little Liars or, or a Riverdale, you know. And I'm saying, uh, not, I don't think they're called Riverdales. <laughs> I'm not like, oh, which one is Riverdale? Or that's a Riverdale, and those are their friends, Riverdale yeah. and Riverdale. I'm not having a stroke on, on podcast here. Um, but I think the thing to remember is that while some people can afford to live those lives and some people can and can do that the average person can't mm-hmm. the average person can't financially interact with with society on that level uh and also can't reasonably do it from from uh, a responsibilities perspective right I, I don't care how smart you are. I can actually – and I'm not like I can always tell. But yeah, I can usually tell how hard you worked. I, I have some really weird, keen perceptions about the way people interact with learning and a part of why you know I've been so lucky to have worked with so many great students who want to work with me. It's, it's a real – you know, loving your students is actually the thing that makes being a teacher not 
make you want to die. But <clears throat> because, oh, my God, everything else about teaching makes you want to die. So people yeah. are like, oh, what do you do for a living? I'm like, what do I do for a living? I smoke weed because <laughs> I get paid to teach. Oh, like, that's what I do for a living. I miss that. You, Sorry, you miss on. getting paid. To, oh, you miss getting paid. Well, so, oh no, I meant, I meant like, um, I meant working a job and then like coming home and just smoking weed and relaxing. Oh yeah, it's pretty. That nice. was nice. Um, so here's here's the thing. It's this it's this idea that every experience you have has to be this amazing thing. You know, it, everything has to be event television. Everything. Everybody wants to live out you – know, everybody wants to be – walk into an episode of How to Get Away with Murder. And there's an enormous disconnect between what reality can provide and what people have come to expect reality to be based on what they've amalgamated from the, the fiction and the advertising that has been fed into them. And there's this desire that every experience should be every experience should be Lady Godiva being carried into a palace. You right. know what I mean? Like everybody should it should always be the most VIP excellent experience ever. And I do think that's why counterculture often it goes toward grungy, dirty, dark, gross, because it's the realism factor that's missing. You know, say what you want about, you know, I love Disney, but I'm, uh, the Disneyfication of New York isn't that Disney cleaned up New York, it's that they put paint over the homeless people <laughs> so you don't notice yeah. them. Aren't they good at 3D illusions? Uh. You can't even see them when you step over them to get into the theater. That's the real magic of Disneyfication of New yeah. York. Rudy Giuliani sent them all into the ocean. I think one of the things we're talking about here is that people people are afraid of interacting with with an experience yeah. and not feeling fulfilled because then the experience was a failure because we deal in terms of winning and losing we deal in terms of good guys and villains you know as a teacher I can tell you every parent seems to believe and I, I don't mean every parent but I mean every fucking parent seems to believe that your choices are an A or an F and everything that isn't right. an A is an F and it's this idea that everything has to be the best the biggest the most spectacular look if, if you know me in person you know I'm kind of a unicorn you know that I'm always the guy who's like let me tell you the strangest story you've ever heard and then I have 10 people corroborate that it happened and everything about me is an exaggerated cartoon and that's occasionally hard for people to interact with and you get a lot of one-upsmen you know what i mean oh yeah right like especially when you are that loud about it like i naturally am you get a lot of people who come at you bro it's unfortunate because i don't mean to be so big and loud but it automatically means that people try to out big and loud me all the time chris will attest it's very difficult to out big and loud me I'm the loudest person in the world. It's like trying to body slam <laughs> Andre the Giant. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. But like, um, I, I just, and I'm trying to sell the point because I get people at their most over the top intense trying to compete with me. You know, it's because some people are naturally competitive. I'm naturally over the top. But it's this idea that if they're not the best, so I see it a lot. If they're not the best, if it's not the best experience, if they're not number one, it, there's 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 a failure to it. And I know I can get sucked up in that too. Uh, and one time my husband kind of sat me down. And my, I'm, I'm sure I've said this on the, on the show before. My husband sat me down and he said to me, you know, the problem with you always needing to be the best is that means everyone else can only ever get second place. Hmm. And that kind of fucked me up. But what a great way to be fucked up. What, a, what an important lesson to learn and what a great person to learn it from. And, I, and I, I'm going into all this because 
Because we live in a culture where the only acceptable version of passing the class is an A, and because we live in a culture where the only acceptable version of going to a concert is sitting in the best seats and not having to look at the jumbotron and having to be, you know, being right up close and being able to touch them, and and we take all of these things for granted, I think that's why people are afraid of going to shows. Because number one, if no one's ever heard of it, well, where's the where's the story power in that? No one's ever heard of it. Where's the story power? And if it winds up disappointing, well, where's the story power in that? Yeah. Anyway, I have two categories left to go over today. Hi, this is this is a show about now. (laughs) Yeah, this is a show about now. I am fascinated by my inability to hold it together today. This is just like an especially unique day for me. Um, I'm all over the place. Okay, so we have two categories left to cover on this now. We have the one-hit wonders, and I call it one-hit wonders in a humorous way, and we will talk about that in a moment. Um, And then we have the goodbyes, the people who are either leaving or are transitioning out. Under the one-hit wonders, though, I do need to point out that the one-hit wonders actually each represent a different classic sin of the now. If now is meant to be an encapsulation of the, the... music sphere that is that is that quarter of that year um, now frequently picks songs that don't actually represent anything at all and the misguided way that they think it does. Three songs on this really exemplify the three worst offenders that now likes to play into. Yes, I, I feel it. I'm looking at that list, and I'm I'm so excited to dive into these three songs. Even though, you know, I, I don't know how many times I feel like this is one of my drinking game things. Take a drink every time I say. Uh, you know, we can talk about <laughs> the best songs, or we can talk about the worst songs. Uh, I'm very excited to dive into these because they are three real weird outlier songs for so many different reasons, and I love them all like like the, the dumb little three-legged puppies they are. Okay, then, sir, since you're so excited, uh, you know the three, you have the list in front of you. I do. you want to leave these? Sure. Number one, um, crossing off what I assume is the sin of being a cover that's not worth covering. Uh, Listen to Your Heart by DHT. precisely why that is here it is absolutely the cover song not worth covering it is kind of vain and a little bit masturbatory and i just don't know why it's there you know there is definitely a trend of now i'm trying to remember who did the original and by remember i mean google it because i can't remember it is roxette okay that's what i thought um i was about to say isn't it yeah. roxette who we talked about at length one episode was is roxette the artist who didn't speak any English and sang all of their songs phonetically. <laughs> what? Um, I'm pretty sure that is accurate. Um, though during some downtime, I will double check it. Anyway, that's neither here nor there because this is DHT featuring uh, Edamame. Yeah. Anyway, there's a long history of songs that have kind of been uh, Euro trashed. Um, totally, clips of the heart is maybe the most famous version. It's just like here's a cover. And it's got uh, a Euro disco beat, and it's a little worse, and there's like some phaser or maybe some auto-tune on the vocals. Um, that's it. 
Yeah, it's it's not, you know, my whole thing, and you might remember, is a cover needs to serve a purpose. And if the cover serves no purpose, and this song, I, I you know, it's cute, but I kind of feel like this song follows on the heels of the candlelight version of the cover of Brian McKnight, uh, Brian McKnight, fuck my dick, Brian Adams Heaven. Oh, yeah, I could feel that there was for that- sure. There was that dance yes. version, and I think this is trying to capitalize on that. Um, I really didn't need this cover because I think the Roxette version is just as good in every way. This song is just another example of finding a way to make money on somebody vaguely remembering yeah. something else that they liked. And it's a song that you can play, um, you know, this is one almost for the parents, maybe. It's it's like a... oh. I remember this song and oh you like this uh this beat that's to it so it it's not just like you know the, an old an old person song uh it's like kind of the meet in the middle song Yeah I feel like if this was on a parent and their kid would be really fine with it mm-hmm. And that was kind of the early point of now we decided. Also I double checked and it was Roxette uh they were from Sweden their early stuff they didn't know any English and sang everything phonetically which owns That is pretty fucking amazing Yeah uh, especially with how powerful some of those early songs of theirs are. Next on the list is Just the Girl by The Click Five. This reminds me of another song that we did previously that I can't even remember, unsurprisingly. Um, it sounds like a song is it from Catch a movie. Your wave? I don't know. Was there a song about... Oh, wait, no. girl, I want to catch a wave. I think it was Evan Evan and Jared. Oh, that's um, Just the Girl by... Um, no, this is Just the Girl. It's Just the Girl. No, hold on, wait. Crazy for this girl by Evan and Jared. Yeah, okay. So it sounds like a song from a movie about a pop band today. Like, like The Wonders, like that song works so well in that thing you do because... It sounds like it's of that time, but it also does sound like a movie song, and there's a little self-awareness in that movie. This song sounds like a song from a movie, but it's actually a quote-unquote real band. Uh, What is the sin that it commits, though, Nico? It's sort of – so, okay, I understand that now is meant to represent now, but one of the things that now does quite frequently is it tries to rely on big names to sell it. It, sure, it's now, but it's supposed to be a compilation of songs you actually want, not a compilation of songs the radio told you you mm-hmm. wanted. That's supposed to be what now does. This is an example of where they took a bet that maybe this band would have a follow-up single of Consequence. Yeah. They did not. This is an example of, okay, quick, maybe they'll be a big cash-in. Ultimately, they weren't, but we're still made to put up with this on a now you know track list does matter track order does matter this toward the end of this record you know especially because we talked about early on how it was sort of like rock pop throughout but there was the dad rock section at the end well now the entire rock of any kind section is at the end and it's six songs long, and there's this weird crap shoved in the middle. It sounds like a fucking Jonas Brothers song. It does. It sounds like a. It sounds like a softer. This is. It sounds like a softer All American Rejects. Yeah, it kind of sounds like All American Rejects through the filter of the Backstreet Boys. Yeah, and there's something really unnecessary about it, and I kind of mm-hmm. feel like it being on here. It's just one of those. It's like that. Um, that German woman who sampled Family Affair to our deep. Range. Oh yeah, 
Right. This samples everything else about the genre without actually keying into anything that matters. It's like when you try to write a universal story by having absolutely no details. It sounds like everything and nothing all at the same time, and nobody can connect with it because there's nothing concrete to connect with. This song Mm -hmm. is just an idea of a song that was well executed enough to make these mop heads uh, some money. Oh, they do have such Beatles hair. Yeah. I haven't. I didn't even look up the video. I just remember oh. thinking their Beatles hair is so annoying from 15 years ago. The, just, just on the name alone, this band was never going anywhere. Though I've literally never heard a song from Five Seconds of Summer, but I imagine it's going to sound a lot like this. It does. I hate them. They're on at the gym all the time. Yeah, I feel like this is something that they try every couple of years: is to have like a a a boy band with instruments and. For every 50 they try, one lands. Yellow card. There can only be so many yellow cards. <laughs> um, and then the last of this uh, one-and-done group. Let's, let's, let's call it what it is, these one-hit wonders. Let's Tell me, what's this last one-hit wonder, Chris? Uh, it's a band that you've probably never heard of. Um, uh, it's a song called Beverly Hills by uh, w- w- Weiser. Weezer? Yeah, I'm I'm actually... What is this band uh, called? Funny enough story, to enhance your joke, uh, I'm going to see the Breeders this summer. Ooh. And my friend was like, oh, I'm getting tickets to see... uh, I couldn't remember who she said, and the Breeders, and I was like... uh, I'm sorry, Pixies. Oh my god, I'm having a stroke. She's seeing the Pixies. Well, I mean, that's a reasonable... I I couldn't remember which... I couldn't remember which Kim Deal band it was. Yeah, exactly. And, (laughs) And she was like... Yeah, I'm going to see somebody in the Pixies. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. How much are the tickets? And she was like, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I, I'm there. I'm literally going to hand you money like tomorrow. I have to see the Pixies. I have to see the Pixies. Yeah. And uh, a couple of days later, I messaged her and I was like, hey, I really don't remember what I'm supposed to. Who is the other band? Because I'm having trouble finding the show. And she was like, oh, it's Weezer. And I was like, oh, I guess I'll see Weezer. I'm the next big That's unfortunate. I want to see the Pixies. I don't. I don't think we're going to have a real opportunity to talk about Weezer ever again, unless on now seventy five they put that cover of Africa that became big and exists for again. You know, just like we talked about. Uh, there's no real reason that song should exist other than I guess it was a meme, but they took the fucking laziest way possible and just essentially covered it note for note, except Rivers Cuomo can't hit those notes as well. So it's just like a bad. Ver- just listen to Africa. Um, it's okay. Just because the song's old, you can still listen to it. Um, but let's talk about Weezer a little bit because those first two Weezer albums, I think, are pretty universally beloved. And they are maybe the best current example of a band that is still active that had all of their success early on and has just kind of been writing that forever. Because they've been outright bad recently. I very much agree, actually, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take a huge jump back. I I also think Weezer is something we maybe need to reconsider. Totally, like as to, as ever being good. Yeah. Okay. As ever being as necessary or vital as they were once considered to be, Weezer are a fine band. Uh, I, I I do. They did a fine job. A fine, Rachel McAdams did a fine job with the role. <laughs> um. But I think, I think Weezer 
actually boils down to a couple of really good songs. Yeah. And I think it's a I think it's on the first and third albums. I think the second album is just okay. Ooh, okay. Um, I think Hashpipe is a pretty cool song. Oh, okay. See, that's that's um, literally the song where they lost me. See, I thought Hashpipe was a really cool idea. It was, you know, the cool throwback fun time rockers doing something a little different. Okay. Um, but I, I think... That's interesting. Okay, of, that's interesting. I think a lot of what we enjoy about Weezer is kind of what I was talking about before with the guy who's so weird that nobody knows how to tell him that he's unpleasant. <laughs> a lot of what we enjoy about Weezer is it's this little man with big hair and a giant mouth going, If you steal my sweater! I, I, can't even re- like, I can't even acknowledge that song. That uh, Yeah, even then I didn't like that song. And we're trying to be like really cool about them. We're like, oh yeah, look, he's so much fun and they're so adorable and look at how cool Weezer is and... We we're kind of like Weezer's a really average band in a really cool pair of glasses, and I don't know why that's not something we talk about. Ninety percent of what people seem to connect with about Weezer is the image of how fun the band is, because Rivers Cuomo has been wearing black horn, you know, black rim glasses since nineteen ninety three, and I really appreciate that. But looking like Elvis Costello doesn't necessarily make you Elvis Costello. And I'm not, like, trying to be, like, hypercritical. I'm really not being mean, even. Weezer is one of those bands who is somehow remembered a lot more fondly than they actually were uh, prolific at the time. It's it's weird to me how people are all like, oh, my God, no, I'm a huge Weezer fan. And I'm like, okay, name three songs that aren't on an album. Mm. Well, that's... Wait. You mean that weren't a single? I mean, that's what I meant. I'm having a stroke. I was going to say, you want someone to, like, here's, give me three unreleased Weezer songs. That is, that is, <laughs> that is deep, uh, that is a deep, like, prove your that, fandom. That is, that is deep. Yeah. That is, I, so I'm, I have this comparison that I want to make, but I need to see when Weezer formed before I can make it without sounding like an idiot. Okay. Uh, yeah, maybe it's not that accurate because they're both around the same time. But, so I've said before how I thought, I think when My Chemical Romance came up, I said that they, they like they latched onto what Alkaline Trio did before them and just like kind of like hyperized it. I was gonna say that Weezer did that with the Mountain Goats, but they actually came up around the same time, so I can't even um I can't even exactly say that. But man, I wish the I wish the Mountain Goats was the band that became famous and not Weezer. Though I do wanna say, so where you said that the Green album was the one that um that you thought was uh that the first and the third, I thought they were on a comeback for a minute. Um, when they had, I don't know if it was the album after the Green Album. I think it was. Maybe that was called Mal, Mal, Malandroid or something like that. It had such a pity on it and it had Gone Fishing or Keep Fishing or whatever on it. I thought that they were like going to be a fun band after that. And I, it, it just didn't happen. I think Beverly Hills is kind of an example of the identity crisis of Weezer after they can't just be kind of what you were saying, those young college glasses and sweater wearing kids with um, crushes on the Asian girl in their lit class because Beverly Hills, I don't know if you watched the video or remember it, but it takes place at the Playboy Mansion and Hugh Hefner and his harem are in it. And I think the song is supposed to be a satire, but the, the message between the video and song combined is so muddled and weird that the song as a whole crumbles under its own failed sense of irony. I, I think I can summarize what you're trying to say. A couple of months ago, I started wearing really wide brim fuckboy caps 
because I think they're really cute and I think it's funny and ironic and I wear these giant sunglasses and these giant baseball caps and at a certain point I kind of forgot that it was supposed to be satire and I was like look mm. how cute this looks but obviously I'm still the same nerd in suspenders and at a certain point I just started wearing these stupid caps and sunglasses so much I mean now I just dress like a fuck boy and that's mm-hmm. something I need to like, come to terms with Weezer were the nerds who were ironically cool and then they became cool and ironically still thought we thought they were nerds. And I feel like Beverly Hills is the tipping point. Mm. Yeah. In this video, Rivers Cuomo is wearing a button-down shirt over a polo over a t-shirt. Um, <laughs> much like this song, it has failed with its attempt at multiple layers. Yeah. And that's even part of it. I think I think Weezer was a cute experiment that uh, kind of outlived its welcome. Outlived its welcome, I think, is a perfect end point. But kind of what we were talking about before, they'll always have a fan base, and that's fine. But I promise you that fan base doesn't want to hear, I was going to say new music, but I'm sure they want to hear Africa because the memes, uh, but that fan base doesn't want to hear the new album. They want to hear Buddy Holly, and they want to hear Dip, Dip, and they want to hear um, El Scorcho, but they're they're not they're not looking for the new the new songs, but you know, it's like when I, I saw Third Eye Blind um, in that way that you um, see a band who is playing in public for free um, and you you happen to be there. They refused to play the hits like they played Semi Charmed Life in like the middle of the set and they played Jumper during the encore. But they closed with like three new songs and then we're, you could tell we're kind of salty that people were leaving. And it's like, what the fuck were you expecting, my dude? I think he probably thought it's a free concert. Why wouldn't you just sit through it? Well, okay. So it was, have you been to the Asbury Summerfest? Like it's, there's, it's an outdoor show, but like you pay to get into it, but it's on the boardwalk. So you can kind of just walk by and like see a little bit of it and hear it. But like, if you really want to see the show, like there, there was a paid audience there for sure. But like the people who were paying were even leaving. And that was what was salting him up. Yikes. Here's the thing about the the next chunk of my list. Here's the thing about where, where we're about to rush. These goodbyes are a little bit more complicated than maybe your normal goodbyes. Um, I, I do want to say that uh, thank you all so much for your amazing feedback on the Pop Princess episode. Um, I think the, the Pop Princess sign-off was one of our best episodes yet. Um, I feel like that was one of the best we've ever combined uh, – this one's a little bit less, oh, mm-hmm. I remember loving that or hating that. This is a little bit more, like, jarring in that it just – some of these are just like, what? where the fuck do they go? Um, and I would like to start with somebody that we've championed since the beginning. Goodbye to Missy Elliott with Lose Control. The walk in the club is fire. Get it crunk and wired. Wave your hands, scream louder. If you smoke, then fight up. Bring the roof down and holler. If you tipsy, stand up. DJ, turn it louder. Take somebody by the waist and ooh. I forget the, the guy who... I forget the guy on this track, unfortunately, but I know the female vocalist is obviously Ciara. I have I have that here somewhere. It's uh it's a fella named Fat Man Scoop. I that's better than what I thought, which was Scatman Crothers. So. Scatman Crothers. Uh, in the middle of the song, uh, he gets an axe in the back. It's, it's a really really famous part of the song. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I I. 
I tried to do as much homework as I could to find where people show up again or don't show up again. Um, I don't know if Missy Elliott resurfaces in her 2015 and later comeback, but she certainly does not surface for the next at least 40 nows. Yeah. And this is a fond farewell to a woman who pioneered uh, her sound, her style, her energy. This is just a sad time to say goodbye to an awesome artist. Something that's worth noting here is that her collaborator producer for a long time was a fella by the name of Timbaland and he and Missy split before this album um, I don't know if it was on good terms or not um, I know that you know both would go on to still do exceptional things um, but this is I, I do think this is a very small step down for Missy I think it is extremely well produced all things considered that piano that rolling piano throughout the song. Uh, I, I love it. It's a unique sound. It, it does seem a little... I feel like this is a sound... Um, her performance, I should say. Like, you know, I, that rolling piano is unique, but her performance, I do feel like, is... We, we've done it before. It, it, sounds, it sounds Missy Elliott, and there hasn't been enough Missy Elliott at this point for her to be kind of um, cannibalizing herself... Um, and I, it, it's tough to describe because you could just be like, well, that's, you know, that's Missy's sound. But I, I think go back to it and listen to it side by side with some of the stuff from the previous album. It does, it does kind of sound a little bit like a retread. Um, that's, that's not, it's not a bad thing. It's still, you know, better. It's still a seven out of 10, which is a lot better than a lot of the stuff on Now's. Um, but I think we've just held Missy to such a high standard that this song did disappoint me ever so slightly. I, I could tell you part of what we don't what we don't dig about this song. We don't dig that this song isn't Missy Elliott featuring Timbaland and Aaliyah. That's what um, we don't like about this song. Huh, because think I, about the, the Sierra, the, the Sierra boy, the music makes me lose control. It's immediately apart for Aaliyah. And yeah. it, I think it's that this is a pretty cool Missy Elliott song that doesn't sound like a Missy Elliott song, but sounds like a Missy Elliott song. So, yeah, um, I yeah, it's, it's, I I know what you're saying, and like I want to disagree, but I I can't. I think that is, I guess that is, yeah, pretty accurate. That's how I feel. That's I. It's it's just like it's so frozen in time. This like lost moment that's not quite Missy, but is. Yeah, there's also there's also a lot of stuff in this within this song itself that to me feels like filler, where they're just like everybody. Everybody, everybody. It's like, it's like there's nothing there. And I feel like Missy has never been at a loss for things to do or things to say in her songs before. And for it to be almost, uh, it's like lowering almost to a black eyed peas level at times. And I think, um, I, I just, I've, I've been holding her to a higher standard. Yeah. I mean, I love this song a lot. I actually do. I love this song a lot, but I don't think it's, on par with Get Your Freak On. Exactly, yeah. It's still good. I, I'm, I'm, I'm breaking bad this a little bit. It is still a good song, don't get me wrong. And on that, I would love to say goodbye to Missy Elliott and talk about one of her collaborators. Sure. Missy Elliott, thank you so much for, for representing that VA sound this whole time. You have been amazing. Um, the next appearance by Ludacris after Pimpin' All Over the World is going to be a guest spot on Fergie's music. 
And then Ludacris kind of fades out of uh, notoriety for a while. Cause see me, my pimpin's in 3D. I'm taking you places you only see on TV. Trying to show you how you live in this trife. How many guys you know could bring the travel channel to life? One day we on the Autobahn swerving, driving. Next day we in the sun on the Virgin Islands. If you with me, ain't no time to sleep. Especially at Wet Willie's on Miami Beach. But I'll drop you off and pay you no attention. We did mention it on a previous episode that we don't think, much like since you've been gone, we don't think Yeah is going to show up on a Now. Uh, because Ludacris, in real life, is not going away. That song, Yeah, is fucking huge right now in the real world. But in the Now world, will not exist. And you know, it's really funny because Confessions owned the world. Yes. It's hard to understand exactly what Usher did to lose it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't mean that, like, he, he, he lost it all, but, like, I really thought Confessions prepared him to be, like, unstoppable. But I guess maybe Confessions was too of its time, too of its sound. Um, yeah. Anyway, Pimpin' All Over the World is not memorable as a ludicrous song. It's memorable for its hook. Yes. Uh, which is not Luda. Oh. And that's unfortunate. Oh. The ludicrous is... F- no, keep going. I don't know if I... I think I disagree with you, but keep going. I actually think just pimping all over the world is the easiest part to remember. Yes, I do agree. But I really do love a lot of Luda's bars in this. I'm really digging your lips, but be careful when you're walking, when you're swinging them hips. His delivery has stuck with me for so many years, and this song in particular. Um, I think he's got a lot of really clever wordplay. That's what he does and no one was delivering like he was like his flow was not the best but that's never what Ludacris really was he was about having his tongue firmly lodged in his cheek the whole time and yeah this is maybe the the most memorable Luda chorus but man I, I just I remember these verses really well but maybe that maybe that is just me but for me to I don't know I think the most memorable Luda chorus is um, Rollout. Oh, yeah, you're absolutely right about that. That's, that's 100% accurate. And that accurate. features Luda. Yes. Yeah, and no, you're, you're right about that. This is a chorus that doesn't feature Luda. Uh, this, this has some yeah. of, other than Area Codes, this, this is, is some of my favorite verses, though. Oh, and I love Area Codes. So, you know, to say goodbye to Ludacris, um, to say goodbye to Ludacris, let's, let's say goodbye to somebody else who we just put, spend a whole lot of time talking about who does work with Ludacris. Um, Ciara. I know we just talked about Ciara a little bit, but I don't know why I keep saying Ciara when it's Ciara. Mm. Um, and we're not actually talking about Ciara to talk about Ciara. We're talking about Ciara to talk about Bow Wow. Yeah. Like You by Bow Wow featuring Ciara. Well, we already established um, last episode with them franchise boys having a second appearance on Now 21 with um, Jermaine Dupree and Bow Wow again. Bow Wow is never going to have another solo entry again, if my research didn't let me down. That's probably right. Um, Bow Wow is going to fade into general obscurity Mm -hmm. and not really contribute much. (sighs) So I watched this video a couple times, probably more than any of the other ones, because something just kept ringing in my head and I couldn't put it into words. I do really like the course of this song, but Sierra really kind of drives it. Every time that Bow Wow shows up in the video one, in the song, in the um, either end of the video where it's like the comedy thing that he – this is the other Bow Wow video. He did the same thing too, some dumb shit comedy about cars. 
everything Bow Wow does is just extremely unconvincing. I think that's even part of the problem. Bow Wow was like a child prodigy yeah. who got pulled up on stage with Snoop Dogg and he was Lil Bow Wow and then he grew up and there's all those like gay rumors and he he just didn't grow up into like the same guy that he started out as and frankly neither did Snoop Dogg. <laughs> Snoop Dogg is not the adult aged version of 1994 Snoop Dogg. You know, the dog father was supposed to be, you know, a gangster for life. And now he literally is best friends with Martha Stewart. <laughs> yeah. And it's 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 a thing. I think Bow Wow, by this point in his career, has outlived his usefulness. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and that's pretty much goodbye to Bow Wow. Well, I would like to say, if you don't want to say goodbye to Bow Wow, and especially if you don't want to say goodbye to Ludacris, check out uh, Cage Club Connected Universe Brother Show. Too Fast, Too Forever, where Bow Wow will always appear in Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift, and Ludacris will always appear in, I think, like, four through ten, whatever the fuck they're at now. So, we're about to get to some kind of controversial uh, remaining outgoers. Yeah, probably. Uh, One of them... I'm going to talk about one that is the hardest to defend being on this list. Okay. Um, Keith Urban's You'll Think of Me. Take your records, take your freedom Take your memories, I don't need them Take your space and take your reasons But you'll think of me And take your cat and leave my sweater Cause we have nothing left I did this research. One of the things that you warned me about when we talked about this project early on was that there would be just a whole lot of, like, chunky country. Yeah. That's, like, garbagey bullshit. More like hunky country, am I right? Forever, and it would be all of this, like, crossover country crap. Except it it, it kind of seems like Keith Urban, from my research, has five now appearances. 18, 19, 20, consecutively. And then 25. And then 30. Yeah. This is literally the apex point of Keith Urban's popularity According to the Nows, to be on three consecutive Nows in a row, representing the only sound of your entire genre, is actually a really daring thing. Mm. They felt that Keith Urban was enough on this to carry the country market onto the Now. They really thought that maybe country people would be like, well, I do like that one Keith Urban song. And, and would lean into this, I guess. They thought maybe... I have no fucking clue what they thought the crossover point would be. Sugar, we're going down. <laughs> yeah. And Gay Muppet going for four minutes would be the crossover point for Keith Urban's You'll Think of Me. But it is just really interesting that he's on 18, 19, 20. He is literally on a year of now. Yeah. And then appears not for a full year plus twice in a row. And at the same so, time, it's not like pop country goes anywhere. It only gets more popular in the real world, and they do vary it up. Like, we're going to get one of my top three least favorite songs of all time on the next now, and that is in that genre. Um, like, we're, we're proud. I mean, Keith Urban doesn't go away, and I, I know this. I think I mentioned this the first time Keith Urban showed up. Is Keith Urban is my mother's favorite artist, so I have a little bit of Stockholm Syndrome in regards to Keith Urban because I've heard it so much. But at the same time, he's significantly less pandery and significantly less offensive than a lot of the people in that genre. Because as you have so eloquently said, Nico, he is not pretending to be a guns, God, in America kind of guy because he is an ex-cokehead 
uh, Australian rocker guy who found country and married Nicole Kidman, and he's aware of that. He he stays in his fucking lane, and he's a he's a pretty fucking good guitarist when he chooses to shred, which is rare because moms don't like that. Um, and so I you know I've I've defended him, but I I know this. I will tell you he doesn't fucking go anywhere. So if if now is going to keep doing the pop country thing it is because either some record label shit has changed or they know that he's already made so we got to try to make someone else now that is the only explanation for why he can just disappear in this timeline i also wonder something that we've talked about a few times something that we've touched on here and there is artists and and control of their music and their rights I wonder if at some point he became in control of his music and mm. said, I don't need to be on these collect these collections. Yeah. Uh, there's there's kind of like this weird thing where I don't know that I would always want to be on these collections because then there'd be no reason to buy my fucking album. Right. Um, Though it has we, to we be did see in our research for- that there's going to be um, some now connected universe franchise spinoff things like now that's what I call country. Which, uh, even though it doesn't come till about two years from now, he will still appear on a couple of those. This show will not be going into any of that spinoff shit. Um, but also part of it could be that they're saving him for that and they don't need as many pop country stuff on the prime line. I, I feel like there is just certainly a decision to not interact with his music. Yeah. Or him to not interact with now. It has to be one or the other. But it is it's really notable that Keith Urban, who is still a name, is checking out of now for a year at a time after dominating the last track in three consecutive nows. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. Um I I I, I don't know. I, I think all of our guesses are reasonable. I I specifically I like the one about they've made him, let's make somebody else now. But I mean, who, who's to say? Um, hook us up with someone who has any idea how nows are made, and um, I will love you forever. My only argument against they've made hand time to make somebody else, by that argument, they would have pulled Britney off, or they would have pulled uh, somebody else off. The idea is they're trying to capture a market. They're trying to get people to cross over and buy. I, I feel like if Keith Urban is the leader in his genre, they're going to want to keep him, utilize him, and push him. Yeah. I, I feel like to lose him had to be a decision on someone's part that was about no longer working with, not about replacing. I think Beyonce and Britney make better headliners, though, and, like, their names are better on the marquee. But, yeah, at the same time, I think that's not inaccurate. That's that's probably pretty true. I don't know. I don't know. It'll always be a mystery. The unsolved mysteries of the Now and Again universe. Until we Until our podcast gets picked up by, like, the actual Now people, and they're like... Because, you know, they're all foreign and they're all like, you know, Deutschen, Germany, floppin' good podcast and Barkenberter. Would you like to headline to now that's what I call podcast? Yeah, that's what's going to happen. They're going to hear my German impression and they're going to offer us that's what I call podcast. Um, God, I'm so embarrassed at how I understand Europe. <laughs> so let's, let's, speaking of Europe, let's say goodbye to the Backstreet Boys forever. Um, oh, finally. I thought we've done this six or seven times already. Well, I'm actually going to I'm gonna do a bam-bam. It's going to be a twofer. Sure. Uh, s- time to say goodbye to both the boy bands 
and the girl groups. Say goodbye to both Destiny's Child and the Backstreet Boys. Now, I didn't have to do any further research to see if Destiny's Child continued to appear because a little bit of research into the song proved that it was their final single. Mm-hmm. It's hard to appear again when you're out of singles. Yeah, but doesn't this also just feel like such a not Destiny's Child song? Um, yeah, it feels like they were just really running low. Yeah. They were just at a point where they were out of it. Like, what happened to the Destiny's Child that, like, like would fucking stomp on your balls in high heels and you would like it? That's that's not who this is. This If this is their last single, that's such, uh, that's such a, a wet fart of a send-off. I... I want to send them out on a high note. They deserve so much better than this. But I guess I, I we talked about this last time. It feels like a lot of them are phoning it in. I feel like Beyonce is definitely phoning it in because she knows that she once she gets over this obligation, she's gonna go back to that you know stomping on high heels and balls, uh, stomping on balls and high heels kind of thing that she's got ahead of her because she's gonna become the Beyonce that we know now very soon. I think the problem is we feel like this is overdue. And the fact that it's ending on two songs where we feel like, why isn't it over yet? We're, like, desperate for this to end. Yeah. And we even feel like it's not a good Destiny's Child song. No. Which is disappointing. Because we've relied on Destiny's Child to save whole nows. And now we feel like Destiny's Child is, 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 I don't know, like... Overstayed their welcome. Uh, slouching towards death. Mm. Um, and it just... It's, it's a it's mercy so kill. Weird because, yeah, it's a mercy kill because it's not a Backstreet Boys song you remember. And it's not a Destiny's Child song you remember. And it's not a Destiny's Child song you forgot about, like Emotion, where right. you're like, oh my god, this, and I'm taken. It's not a Backstreet Boys song where you're like, alright, you know what? bit more chops than I thought. It's kind of a Destiny's Child and Backstreet Boys song where it's very clear that these were kind of remnants of what I said about last episode, cheaper versions of better artists. And uh, these are mercy kills. Yeah, I, I gotta ask, though. Final appearance by both act. I gotta ask if you watch, or if you, I, I don't think you normally do because I think you normally remember the ones that are worth remembering, um, but did you watch this Backstreet Boys video? No, I didn't. Oh, I need. To, we have to talk about it very briefly. Um, I don't know if you were on the episode that had um, American Hi-Fi's flavor of the week, but that video parodies the documentary Heavy Metal Parking Lot, and it's you know pretty perfect. Uh, and they do it really well. This Backstreet Boys video parodies Heavy Metal Parking Lot. I can't come up with how uh, adjectives for how uh, uh, bad, <laughs> embarrassing. Um, desperate. Um, this, <laughs> Desperate's this, always the word you want to describe the end of your career. Top to bottom, just just skip around on this on this video. Um, what the fuck were they thinking? You know, it's it's unbelievable to me sometimes the lack of self awareness some of these acts have to exhibit. Like, did, did they not realize that the the tone and the feel of a music video has to at least somewhat match the tone and the feel of the song? And like these guys doing like these guys doing a, a Blink One Eighty Two rock show, funny haha parody in a serious Backstreet Boys last gasp ballad, or 
Or this is them deciding to be like, hey, we can finally show everyone that we were really into hair metal when our fans were three. Um, like, what what are they thinking? It's it's actually really embarrassing because it, is. it, it displays a total lack of understanding of what they're discussing. <laughs> I just don't think they gave a shit. I think they got money and they're like, let's have some fun. Like, we're done. Yeah, I think they were over it. Yeah. I think they were ready to check out. Yeah. And that's really what it comes down to. They were just ready to check out. Their their fake metal band, if you skip to like the last three minutes, you can see them as the metal band. Um, their their Motley Crue-esque band is called, it's called Sphincter. Get it? Ugh, Jesus. You, you, do, do you get it? God damn it. Yeah. Ugh. Man, it's just uh, okay. It's it's you know the world will not end with a bang but with a whimper. And with that, we say goodbye to Backstreet Boys. Speaking of whimpering, yeah. Okay, this next one absolutely shocked me when I decided to take a look and just triple. Like I actually said to myself, okay, now is about young and hip. So even if um there's a new song by this person. I kind of feel like if you're over 40, you're not going to make it into a now. Fuck you to me, because <laughs> sure enough, there is a Coldplay track on here. said to myself self i said this has to be the last fucking coldplay track because coldplay stopped being good after a rush of blood to the head in my opinion x and y in most people's opinion yeah i like x and they, y they 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 get middling after that yes um i think i like vita i like viva la vida oh yeah yeah that is a good song um and that the album it's on isn't bad um <clears throat> but then violet hill you can fucking keep it uh, uh, uh. um yeah. So then I I do a little bit of research and I just just for shiggles, man. I just look up when is the next appearance of Coldplay? Should there be one? Uh, now fifty seven. Yeah. Wow. What? And do you remember what song it was? No, I don't. And what's crazy is they're on yeah, now sixty seven now. So the last appearance of Coldplay was three years ago. Well, they sound like the fucking Chainsmokers now. They, yeah, I mean, now now Coldplay is not how anyone remembers Coldplay. The Scientist Coldplay, Yellow Coldplay, um, Don't Panic Coldplay is fucking dead. And now they're just like, they're just, they, they went into the fucking machine from the fly with the Chainsmokers and what came out is an abomination. Yeah, I don't think anybody should work with the Chainsmokers. They're pretty disgusting. And... Agreedo. Yeah, I... Coldplay certainly outlived their artistic value. They still serve uh, a functional value in terms of the popscape. They're still making music, but they're not making music that that emotionally and gets people the same kind of invested. Um, no. You know, I, I've never loved her music, but Pink is still making music that her fans resonate with. Pink is still making music that her fans cry hysterically to. Pink is not currently making garbage i didn't necessarily care for that what about us song but I, her fans really did i don't think that's the relationship people have with coldplay now i i we said in the last episode i don't know anybody who's like man i'm gonna go listen to some black eyed peas i don't know anybody who's like i'm gonna put on a coldplay album from 2013 I, that's just no. not a thing 
that's just not a thing. You know what I mean? People aren't like, let me go put on the mediocre era of a band that I used to like. And I'm sure there are people, and I'm, I'm shitting on somebody's love, and I'm shitting on something somebody cares about. And that's just, you know, that's the virtue of listening to a podcast where somebody talks about their thoughts on pop music. You, you run the risk of not agreeing with them. And I'm not trying to be like, stop being a snowflake. I'm certainly not. But I think Coldplay definitely entered an era. I, I feel about Coldplay's music the way I feel about Gwyneth Paltrow. Don't uh, stop shoving stuff up your vagina? I liked you once upon a time and every now and then you show up as Pepper Potts and that's fun. But other than that, you should really stop. (laughs) This song in particular, I don't know if there's another song that goes from, goes from, goes from a sound that I don't like to a sound that I think is gorgeous. I, I think the, the, his falsetto with the organ is, is grating. I, I think his falsetto on this song is terrible, actually. It's it's terrible. And it's the first two minutes of this song. Once the electric guitar comes in, followed by that wall of sound that hits, and the harmonies in the last like minute and a half of this song, I think is absolutely gorgeous. And Coldplay, maybe at the peak of what Coldplay has always aspired to be, like this is the Coldplayest Coldplay song. And I think it's emotionally resonant. It's probably my least favorite major Coldplay song. Okay. Well, I, I, I was going to say, it's been used in so many embarrassing films and TV shows that I think it has genuinely weakened my opinion of the song overall. I can't tell you how many fucking fictional characters have like died in slow motion to the song, and it's embarrassing every time. I, I really, I actually think his falsetto was horrible on this song. It's so bad. It's so bad. It just sounds like he's screaming. He, I'm shocked it's not a demo. Like you, that's the best take you got. Yeah, it doesn't do it for me. Um, I think it's really weak. If if that last minute of the song wasn't there, I'd be I'd be with you. But I think it. Um, I think it's the culmination of everything that Coldplay has tried to be over the course of their career. Kind of comes out in that last minute and a half, and it's not my favorite. But, I mean, you hear songs like The Scientist that they've always been a building kind of band. They've always been layer onto onto Chris Martin until we have Arena Rock. Like, none of their songs really start as Arena Rock. They build to that. Yeah, no, totally. And I think this, like, just production and sound-wise, just, I think the wall of sound they create at the end of the song is, like, peak Coldplay. And and they're just never going to, they seemingly purposely never get back to that. Maybe they realized that they they hit peak Coldplay and they were like, well, time to do something new. And what's funny? Because I, 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 what what their career has become is inexplicable to me. What's funny is I think it's actually the opposite. Every time I hear "Fix You," I just okay. think it's a cheap version of the Scientist. And I wonder if they were like, okay, we've hit the point at which we can no longer make songs in this genre. It, mm, yeah, I mean, I like the Scientist far more um, because it's it's a consistently good song. Whereas here, just I, the fucking sounds in the first minute of the song suck. Yeah, it it aches. The first minute of the song is is like, uh, and then he tries to soften it with that lights will go yeah. at the end, and I'm like, if the whole song sounded like this, I would be so happy. If the song was like, and you try so hard but you cannot, I would be so into that. I'd be so into that song. But I think that stuck in reverse. I feel like he sounds like somebody's punching a balloon. It's drunk guy at karaoke bad. 
I'm not gonna lie, every time that guitar kicks in, I really, it, it does bring me back. And I've just checked, it's two minutes and 40 seconds into the song. If I survive that long, then that guitar does bring me back a little bit. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's another song that, um, is so two-faced to me, where it's just, it's just ab- abhorrent to, a, a treat to my ears. Lenny Kravitz um, again. In, in, in a snap of the fingers. I love the verses. Like what song? Again by Lenny Kravitz. I love the verses and I hate the chorus. The chorus is like this mellow ass Matchbox 20 song and the verses are like a cool Lenny Kravitz song. I don't have anything else to say about Coldplay. Um, I won't miss them. Coldplay is really one of those bands that we've kind of talked about before. You give me a greatest hits of Coldplay, right? I'd go see a Coldplay show for free, 100%. I'm sure it's great, assuming those greatest hits stop at, like, the fourth album. If I could control the set list, I'd see them for 40. If I knew I was seeing Rush of Blood to the Head open to close, I'd play 65. But I would need to know that it's a Rush of Blood to the Head. It would need to be a complete albums tour. Yes. Where they, they're doing 10 nights in each city. Yes. And two nights for each of the first two albums and then one night for every album after that, I would go see a Russia Blood to the Head for like $65. <laughs> yeah, if I can control if I control the set list, there's a lot more artists I'd see. But yeah, my set list for Coldplay would be a lot of what you said. You know, you can fucking throw Paradise in there too because that is just, that is them attempting to get back to their stadium rock roots and even though I don't think that song is very good, it captures the feeling of probably you know, 40,000 people singing along very well. But yes, I... <laughs> I agree. Um, they are a band, much like Weezer, I guess, that, that peaked and has been coasting since then. I guess at least Coldplay tried to reinvent their sound, even though it's a sound that I, I absolutely fucking hate. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, um, I listened to the new Florence and the Machine album. I loved the first Florence album because it was like this ethereal magic. And then I, I, I really liked the second Florence album. What's interesting is... Um, the songs I love on the first, it's it's actually the opposite. It's no, it's 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 the Coldplay thing. Wow, what a perfect example! The songs I love on the first record, I love so passionately, and the stuff that's filler is filler, and I don't mind it, but I don't really have a relationship with it. The second album all sounds mm. a whole lot more like four or five songs over and over again, um, and I love what I love a little bit less, but I dislike what I dislike a little bit less. Uh, she completely lost me on the third record. Completely. I mm. just did not like how big, how blue, how beautiful at all. It just bored me. I don't know. It just like it it felt like it felt like she was like the queen of like chamber pop and decided she didn't need to go any further. Yeah. She just wanted to stale. She just wanted mm-hmm. to like chill and not have to evolve. And that's fine. But I'm a person who loves the evolution of an artist. And if you tell me that you're just going to stay in the same place, I'm going to check out. And this new record, uh, I've listened to it twice, and I literally can't sing anything from it but part of the single. You know you know who else I feel like um, had a similar maybe career path? And you might disagree with me because I know you're a much bigger fan of this band, so I'm kind of seeing it from the outside. I feel like Maroon 5 kind of had oh, a similar arc I've literally to not enjoyed a Maroon 5 album since the first one. The first one is literally one of the most perfect pieces of music I've ever heard, and I, I would still attest to that. I think Maroon 5's first album... Maroon 5's first album is, like, beginning to end to perfection. It's just, like, it's so well thought, and every song is is really carefully crafted. Even if they all sound very similar, it's a very specific kind of, like... Um, creepy Halloween pop almost like it's, it's this very heavy minor creepy atmospheric dance rock it's really phenomenal and then 
immediately Adam Levine was like, look how hot I am. I'm Adam Levine. I'm covered in tattoos. <laughs> and he comes back. <laughs> That's a really good impression. <laughs> Thank you. I also did like a wiggle. Um, and he comes back on the next record and all of a sudden, everything I loved about them, how challenging they could be, was erased and replaced with synthesizers. And I feel mm. like it's continued to get more progressively bad to the point where uh, when I heard that Chainsmokers Coldplay song, um, part of me thought it might be a Maroon 5 song. Oh, I believe that. No, I was going to say, I appreciate you trying to be gentle because you know I like big ideas and, and big singers, and I was pretty psychotic about that album, I guess, for several years. Uh, pretty devout about that record being one of the most perfect records ever made. Um, but no, I, I agree with you. They They really just fell off for me. You know, I just skipped ahead a little bit to look at uh, the nows up through uh, when we were in college and even a little bit past that. You know what's interesting that we don't get? And another another call for maybe needing these omissions, even though I think this record is kind of embarrassing. Um, it is a time capsule and a half, but there's not a single song off of American Idiot, which is kind of surprising. I think American... that song got a lot of radio play. It's like the album that has aged the worst in the last 20 years. Oh, I yeah. Oh, that- yeah. Oh, that's that not good. record. I literally could not figure out why anybody liked it. I've never been a Green Day fan. I like, I, I just it's not my music. It's just not my music, and I have no problem with it. And I'm not like I've never been a Green Day fan. And now that nobody's a Green Day fan, haha. No, it's nothing like that. It's just like I've never been a Green Day fan. They've never been a band that resonated for me. And when I heard American Idiot, and I heard how many times they rhymed the word idiot with idiot, I was like. No, this is all really and like we're in high school at the time or in college at the time, and I'm like, no, these are these no, are really surface reads on American politics, you guys. This is nothing that you can't learn at an average university by sitting through your history class. Please stop giving Green Day credit for saying the most basic understanding of social studies. It's uh, but I mean, there's no other album that is so 2005, 2006 to me as that oh, album. I agree. Um, yeah, so I think that'll be fun to touch on a little bit when we get into the omissions of the year and or... I, I have some opinions on that album. I don't think it's universally awful, but I think it's really bad with a couple of good ideas. Um, remember that there was a Broadway show of it. And it combined the, the follow-up record that he had to write specifically so that it would give them more songs to use for American Idiot the oh musical. Oh my god. It's, oh and it was Christ. that one song that um, was uh, the Full House theme. Oh yeah! Oh man, um, yeah. We need to. We, let's hold on to this so we can talk about it and give it the time that we need because we uh, we have gone deep on now twenty. Next year, we'll be able to drink. Nico, anything else to say about now twenty before we? Uh, thank you for this list. It was uh, a, a nice change of pace. Honestly, hopefully our listeners didn't need to go track by track, um, but because I, I, I had a good time with this. Anything else to say about now twenty before we say goodbye? Uh, no. Um... It's this has Good. been a really it's been a great journey and I've really enjoyed um I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was it was a fun one. Um I'm uh I, I guess I guess it's the end. I'm at Chris Podcasts on Twitter, cageclub.me for all of our fun stuff and all of our other appearances. Make sure uh, to listen to my dumbass on Cinemakers where Cage Club president and vice president, you figure out which is which, Joey and Mike, um and I talk Christopher Nolan for all of Christopher Nolan's movies and it's uh, it's a really good time I have some opinions on his Batman trilogy that one might say are unique 
So definitely tune in and get mad about that. Um, so I also would implore all of you to uh, email Joey and Mike and get me on as many of those third times a charm as you possibly can, because whenever I see there's a possibility to interact with a comic book movie, uh, a comic book movie in some way that allows me to be like, hey, here's why it's OK that it's different. Here's here's where they literally fundamentally missed the point of the character. And, like, you know, give the same fanboy argument, not the, um, I don't like that they made it a black woman version of things. Give the, no, 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 that's literally, no, no, that's like, oh, dear, that's sort of like making Rambo hyper-violent. It kind of missed the point of Rambo. Like, it's that. So don't forget to email. Um, Also, you guys can find me on Instagram at Nico Vasillo. You can find me on Facebook making music at facebook.com slash action duo and you can find the amazing adventures of the Riot Squad over at kidriotcomics.com where you can check out our Pride special where we are doing an incredible 30 pages featuring uh, additional artists celebrating what it means to be queer and proud. Um, You can also find Capes and Boots, our new uh, all women of color running a news station title that will be debuting next month uh, by an all-female creative team, something I'm really proud to say that we uh, are able to do. I love all of you and no, for real, the more you guys write in, the more you get to hear my voice. And write into the mailbag, nowandagaincast at gmail.com, because we would love to interact with you and do another mailbag episode. We had a great time last year doing that. We'd love to do them more than once a year, um, but hey, you know, you get what you give as the new Radicals might have said yeah. on our first episode. And do me a favor. Friends of mine that are constantly hitting me up with responses, hit me up, uh, hit up the mailbag. Uh, save some of those for that. Oh, and I have to say, I have to take a moment. Um, I've mentioned this person a few times, and I actually think in many ways I have more interactions with this person through now and again than I do in, in, in other forms. My friend Matt sent uh, a really a really beautifully, powerfully moving thing to me about his experience with music, a specific piece of music, and it was uh, fucking incredible. And it was... Nothing I'm going to share, and I was never even going to ask for permission to share, because it's one of those things where it's like, no, that's my moment. But if you guys head over to my Facebook, which is public, and I'm like, you know... I'm always trying to get discourse going on my Facebook. My posts are intentionally trying to get people to respond, so I'm not like just like, go on my Facebook, I need friends, I have too many friends, don't worry about it. But um, you can actually see he and I discuss, uh, whenever I'm in the car or whenever I'm at my desk and I'm listening to music, I share whatever I'm listening to if I can think to remember to do it, and I like to put a line that I, I like from it. Um, I shared some music by an artist named Poe, Annie Danieleski, uh, sister of Mark Z. Danieleski, a guy who wrote House of Leaves. He wrote House yeah. of Leaves. She wrote uh, an album that actually responds to it called Haunted. They borrowed a lot of ideas from each other, but it's both of them responding to the death of their Oscar-winning psychotic father. Uh, he interacted with it in a really cool way, and it was really special because it, it's kind of the whole reason we do now and again, and it's, it's really wonderful that he... Uh, chose to interact with me that way and it's a bond we only have because of now and again it's a way that that's a real friendship I already had who decided to take a chance to listen to our podcast and it's actually made my relationship with him even better and that's something really cool that the podcast has given me back in, in a really nice way and I just wanted to share that story because it's really cool that this dumb little two hours that we try and force you guys to listen to uh, twice a month has improved our lives. It's literally made my relationship with a man I really respect and admire better. And that's really cool. Hell yeah. The best podcasts feel like conversations with friends 
despite the fact that they're strangers. So we are super into and really excited to hear from even one person. Um, so anyone who wants to join the conversation is more than welcome to, um, as long as you chip into our, our fake Patreon at the highest tier. Yeah, uh, don't forget, guys, if you contribute $20 a month, you literally get to give your opinion on every song spliced in. Yes. Um, you can't be part of the actual conversation. We're not that interested in you, but you can record like 20 seconds about each song. And I actually, I challenge anyone to do it. Anybody who wants to can record 20 seconds about any song. I will personally splice you into all the episodes. At the $50 tier, I will mix, produce, and then comment on your own song. Uh, it's very exciting. At the $100 tier, I will mix our DNA and make you a baby. <laughs> and we will critique it in the same way we critique a pop song. It's just really derivative of the rest of their cum. I thought I'd be able to dance better to this baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to pay for uh... my baby in two Chipotle burritos. <laughs> I will take that baby to a concert. I don't even give a fuck. And he's not even going to wear uh, no earplugs. No earplugs for that baby. It's going to be a deaf baby. Deaf baby. <laughs> deaf, deaf boy baby. Oh, Got it. And then, you know what? You know what's going to happen to that baby. He's going to get baby bashed. Um, We are worthless. We'll catch you on the flip side. <laughs> beep, beep, we're out. Uh, hey, girl, how you doing? You are the woman that I'm really pursuing And I would like to get to know you Can you give me your name? And you jot down your number You'll get mine in exchange Hey, see I'm the man of this town And I hope you wouldn't mind if I showed you around So when you go to certain places You'll be thinking of me We got people to meet in many places to see Hey I'm really digging your lips, but be careful where you walking when you swinging them hips. I'm kind of concerned that you'll be causing a crash with your traffic jam booty heads pausing so bad. Hey, I wouldn't trade you for the world, I swear it. I like your hair and every style that you're wearing. And how the colors coordinate with your clothes, from your manicured nails to your pedicure toes.